Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis, and we're talking with Dr. Jesus Pando today, Associate Professor and Chair of the Physics Department at DePaul University. Jesus Pando earned his PhD in Physics at the University of Arizona. He has long been involved in efforts to increase the number of underrepresented groups in the sciences. He has been a member of the Society for the Advancement of Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans in Science, also known as SACNAS for 15 years, and he is a board member of the National Society of Hispanic Physicists. Dr. Pando is visiting Ohio State to talk about his research, and today we will also be talking to him about his involvement with uh, SACNAS. Jesus, welcome to the podcast. Sí, gracias. Can you tell me about your background? What is your heritage? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Uh, on the border of, of Mexico. My parents are from uh, Chihuahua, uh, Julime, Chihuahua. It's on the frontier, the northern frontier of, of uh, La Frontera, they call it in Mexico, the, mm -hmm. the, the northern states of Mexico. Um, I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, went to high school there, failed out of college multiple times there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, yes. Okay, great. Um, so Ciudad Juarez, you know well. Very well, yes. yes. I have tías, tíos, abuel, well, no, no longer, but tías, tíos, yeah, the primos, order. primas, So you're cuñados. used to the <laughs> yes. crossing back yes, and forth. That's so, yes. part of part yes. of your growing up. That's right. <laughs> um, why physics? Uh, were there any scientists in your family? No. Mm -hmm. No scientists, no college. Well, no, my, my grandmother had a little bit of college. Um, I can't... I, I'm asked that question often. Why mm -hmm. physics? I I don't know the answer to that, except that I, when I started taking classes, let me back up. Mm -hmm. um, I failed out of college. Um, by the time I was 20, I was no longer in college. Uh, and then I had a job as a technician working mm -hmm. as a fixing machines and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very boring. <laughs> Um, and so, so I was uh, divorced now at this time. I was drinking too much mm -hmm. because I had nothing to do. And I said, I, I got to fix my life. Something's got something's to get right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started taking coll uh, community college classes in Tucson, Arizona. I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And um, I took a math class and I did very well. And I said, oh, I, I, I kind of like this. And so I took another math class and I did very well. Mm -hmm. And then I took another math class and I did very well. And I said, oh, uh, maybe I should think about doing math as uh, I was still working full-time. Mm -hmm. And then um, I took one physics class because a math professor said, well, you know, if you're going to do a math degree, you need another science. Why don't you try physics? So I, I took physics, and I fe absolutely fell in love with physics. Mm. Um, and so th that that's the best story I can give you as to why physics. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no – there wasn't a single aha movement. There was uh, – something that I knew that was, um, it's the way I like to look at the universe. So poets look at the universe one way. Mm -hmm. um, filmmakers look at the universe one way. For whatever reason, my mind is built to look at the universe via physics. Mm -hmm. so. Are you a first-generation uh, college graduate? Yes. Okay. And so there was no, um, there was no college culture, per se, oh, in your no. family? No, mm -hmm. no. There so was nobody. no, yeah, very little. 
there was almost no high school culture in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. great. Um, can you explain your research to me, a non-scientist? <laughs> I'll try. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not that it's hard. It's, mm-hmm. it's a matter of language, mm-hmm. uh, right? Understanding mm-hmm. the language. Um, I always tell my students, before you get to page two, you have to get to page zero. So, <laughs> so page zero is where we're, I think. So if I look up in the sky, if one looks up in the sky, one sees galaxies, uh, which are places where stars live, essentially, um, spread out over the universe, um, and they're not randomly distributed. That is, I have clumps or clusters, we call them, of galaxies in one location, big voids in the universe where there's nothing. And um, that whole structure we call large-scale structure. And so my research focuses on trying to understand, first of all, what that large-scale structure is exactly. That is, it's clustered, but what do we mean by that? How much is it clustered and so forth? Are there typical distance scales at Mm -hmm. which galaxies cluster? And also, what could have caused the universe to look this way? Um, So that basically is is what I... um, research, my, my main area of research. Mm-hmm. So you um, just mentioned that you had a background where there was no co- college culture, and then you sort of fell into physics by chance in a way, right? Because you That's decided correct. to come back to the community college. And so tell me about this journey throughout, you know, from community college to PhD. Um, did you have mentors along the way? Or did how how was it? Um, how, how do you attribute your uh Success, in a way. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm the poster child for what you should not do. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should not. This is not the right career trajectory for, for 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 people. I was you know I was 35 when I earned my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. I was 41 when I earned my PhD. I was older than some of my professors mm-hmm. um, as I was going through the the process, and that's a difficult thing. I mean, um, to to. To to have a community around you that's first of all not Latino because mm-hmm. there's not many Latinos in physics, and it's also there's this giant age gap mm-hmm. where I have children that mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a part of their family, a part of their lives, and um, so the journey. Um, I did not have mentors mostly because I'm too stubborn, mm-hmm. um, and that was a big mistake mm-hmm. on, on my part. I did not have a mentor until I actually got into my doctoral work, at, at which time <clears throat> I became the student of. Li Ji Fang, who has now passed away, he was uh, uh, one of the most kind people I've ever met in my life. He's from China. He was one of the leaders of the Tiananmen Square um, uprising that occurred in the in the 80s in China. I had to actually escape China. Mm. And his name has actually now been erased from Chinese history books oh. because of his – the government still has a, a thing about him. Anyway, uh, that's – different issue but uh he was uh he he was not judgmental he was very kind he was he was interested in me as a person and he was interested in us doing physics together mm-hmm. um and um I, I would say he was the the biggest influence in my professional career um and a, a true mentor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before then i was too stubborn i was i was i, I just couldn't relate everyone was younger than i was um, nobody was a Latino. Right. Yeah. So, But that's also a story of inspiration for many. I have a student right now that is uh, just finishing his 
um, undergraduate degree and it's 40. Um, and he would like to go on to graduate school. So your story is also um, inspirational to others that are thinking, well, maybe I'm too old for this mm. or maybe I, you know, it's too late for me. No. Um, and, they, and, and it's not, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's not, but it is. Much more difficult. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Much, it is much more difficult. So don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, when I, I did high school in Mexico and I did um, in Matamoros. Oh, Matamoros. Soy okay. de yeah. frontera yeah. también. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> de la frontera. Um, and, um, and I remember I did high school in the evening because I had to work uh, during the day. And um, in most of my class, I was the only high school age girl in the classroom most of my classmates classmates were two to ten years older than me um and that to me was also inspirational that they mm. even though some of them had family some of them had full-time jobs and um most most of them had full-time jobs and yet they were determined to finish high school and some of them went on to to get a you know a, a, a university degree so i that inspired me, even as a young right. person, right? That I was sort of like the traditional age, but it pushed me to continue and and to see the value of education um, from a different perspective, too. So thank you for sharing uh, that part of your story. Um, tell me about your experience supporting underrepresented students in the STEM fields. So first of all, the the in in some areas of STEM, uh, we have okay representation. The life sciences uh, in the medical field, there are actually representation is okay. In the what are called the hard sciences, the physical sciences, we have very few um, uh, Latinos and African Americans. So if you if you combine Latino and African Americans in the physics community. The total number of faculty is around four percent across mm. the country. And so, Native Americans is there uh, like point one percent? Yes, maybe. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of physics, yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the other science fields, uh, faculty are also underrepresented. But the student populations are starting to level out. And so, um, my my work is on uh, on two things. First of all, um, I, I had this. Uh, belief. I don't have as much evidence as I would like, but I have a belief that one of the reasons that uh, Latino students are not succeeding or not going into science is because they don't have a sense of community. Hmm. They don't see um, um, the Latino-ness mm-hmm. somehow being manifested uh, in science. Um, and so um, that's, that's a belief I have, and I... Th- Yes, that's a belief I have. So one of the things I tried to do is I work with this organization, SACNAS, among mm-hmm. others. Um, and, and one of the things that science, uh, SACNAS does is it says that it's a celebration of science and a celebration of your culture. So uh, if I can feel comfortable doing science while listening to mariachi, mm-hmm. you know, or if I can feel – or norteña, which mm-hmm. – I'm more a salsero, so I like salsero. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but anyway, if I can feel comfortable. So, you know, you walk in often to uh, a researcher's lab, and sometimes they have music, and that music is not anything you can relate to. Mm-hmm. It's not the posters on the wall are not anything you can relate mm-hmm. to. The colors on the wall are not the bright colors of the Southwest that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. So all of this is what I mean by the Latinoness does not manifest itself in science. So... So through SACNAS, through working with kids, this is what uh, um, what I try to um, 
tell them that you can be Latino and you can be a scientist and you don't have to give one up to be the other. And you don't have to be afraid to express your Latinoness mm-hmm. to be a scientist. But you, that's easy to say. The, the hard thing is to develop strategies in which students can, can start to do that. So we have uh, a series of events and workshops where we talk about imposter syndrome, microaggressions, mm-hmm. all of these kinds of issues um, uh, to, to make the student comfortable in their own skin and also comfortable within the discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's a... I wish there was an easy answer. There's, it's a multifaceted approach. You need community. So in the Latino community, um, community mm-hmm. is, is important. You, important yeah, yeah, you bring your family. You bring everything with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, so I, I can relate a story. There was a, a, a young woman who was extremely, extremely talented, who is very, extremely, extremely talented, and uh, in Chicago and in, in the Pilsen neighborhood, which mm-hmm. is a Latino um, enclave there in Chicago. And uh, she was a high school student, and um, she got a full ride to go to MIT. Mm-hmm. And uh, her parents did not want her to go because she was going to leave the community. It, yeah. it was a woman. It was their only daughter, mm-hmm. all, of these th- all of these things. And a well-meaning but ignorant, ignorant in the sense of not knowing, mm-hmm. um, counselor told her, what the hell is wrong with your parents? Mm. That they don't want you to succeed. And that, that of course, is cultural ignorance, right? That's right. not a respecting the Latino community, the Latino culture, mm-hmm. that that um, values, values family, values and, family and, and success isn't measured completely by... Degrees. Uh, <laughs> yes, by a path that we didn't design, right? Mm-hmm. We, we designed our own path. Our community designed its own path. Every community designs its own path value its own way of defining success and Mm -hmm. no one way is better than the other but it's not worse than the other either Mm -hmm. so 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 that that's the kind of of issues that we try to navigate it's Mm -hmm. you know it's a wonderful opportunity for this young woman Mm -hmm. right in the end she's she's decided to stay at the university of chicago which is an Ivy League-like school mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. uh, but she had her community well. But you had to, you have to learn how to navigate these things, and it's not. The, it's it's a process. It's not a it's not a solution. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a way where you constantly have to f- revisit the process, get feedback, change, and so forth. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the work you're describing is primarily with students, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, teaching yes. them. Is there a component of Involved in the parents too of like oh, yes. teaching them. Yes, mm-hmm. you cannot do in the Latino community, especially. You cannot, and in, I, I do some work with the African American community. You cannot ignore the church, for example, mm-hmm. in the African American community, yeah. which is a very strong focal point where mm-hmm. the African American community um, gets its often gets its strength or its mm-hmm. energy from. So you yeah. can't. No, absolutely, you have to do that. You mm-hmm. cannot ignore the um, the. the culture it's it is what what helps um it's the strength of the latino cu- culture is the family and mm-hmm. the community right mm-hmm. so los primos las tias mm-hmm. everybody involved los mad- las marinas everyone is part of that success story mm-hmm. and it helps you and so yes you absolutely have to involve them mm-hmm. um and the way you do that it's very difficult because um 
marginalized communities often are working two jobs or three jobs, so the parents are never together at the same time, and and so it's a very difficult yeah task to mm-hmm. try to do. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, but you can't if you want success. That's what you have to do. Uh, why did you decide to get involved with Sagnas? And and when it, I have in your bio somewhere that 15 years you've been involved with this, and how did you find out about this organization and say yes, this is I need to this this are my people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually longer than that, but I I don't like to say how old I am. But uh, <laughs> I got, I heard of Sagnas, uh, believe it or not, through a white woman. Mm. Uh, her name is Lynn Neverson. She's a an associate or was an associate dean at DePaul University where I work, and she is one of the most um, uh, uh, strongest champions for diversity that I've ever met. But she uh, pointed me at, to this organization. And the moment I arrived, my first conference was in Portland um, in 1999. Uh, so, that, so it's been a few years. Um, <laughs> and I, it was incredible to me to open the doors of the conference and see a sea of brown mm. and black folks who do science. Mm. Um, and that was just that <laughs> I was hooked then. So... Yeah. I can just imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can just imagine. Yeah. like. So SACNAS now has uh, this year's conference, which will be in October. It will be in San Antonio. There will probably be 4,000-ish, mm-hmm. uh, mostly students, but but uh, lots of faculty, lots of Latino faculty, lots of non-Latino faculty who are interested in— Who are and, allies. Who are supported. allies. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. So, right. yeah. Great. Um, uh, tell me about some other—you uh, mentioned this— um, young woman that had the MIT um, acceptance, right? And tell me about another way that SACNAS has helped students um, through mentorship and uh, support in any kind. Is there, because we know too, you just mentioned that some of our students, our Latino students, um, or also work, right? They're not your, although we can argue what's the traditional student anymore, but we certainly know that a lot of our Latino students are sometimes working, sometimes working full-time and going to school. But, um, so, if you Yeah, can. so that's a, the, the working part is difficult, and there's not much I can do personally there in terms of if I had money, I would give you, but I, I don't have the money, and, and you have to go to work. But one specific way... That I um, that we try to help within Sacnas, and I'm going to, um, to, to I you know in the Latino community we like to tell stories, so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna tell a story. This is a made up story, but it's a, a one that I use <laughs> for emphasis. So, if you know Chicago, the South Side of Chicago is dominantly African American, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I tell this story. Now imagine, and I I use the specific characters I do because I want to make a a point, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine that you're a young white woman from the suburbs that somehow is on the south side of Chicago and has a flat tire Mm. on the corner of 87th and King. Okay. On the corner, it's in the middle of the afternoon, on the corner are a group of young black teenagers just standing on the corner there. Now, you're in the car. You're a young white woman from the suburbs. You see in in the... South side of Chicago, which is predominantly African American, and there's a group of teenagers sitting there, young men. Do you see those young men as a support system? Mm. And they could easily come over and change your tire and get you back on the road in no time at all, right? Assuming that the woman could not change her tire. Instead, what this young woman does is call AAA because that's what she recognizes as a support system, mm-hmm. not the young black men sitting on the corner. And in fact, when the young black men come over, walk over to her car, 
to try to help her, she feels instead threatened, I'm arguing in this, mm-hmm. in this hypothetical case. And, and I use that example, even though they could have easily helped her and put her on the road, instead she waits two hours for AAA to come there and fix her car. Okay, this is a made-up example. <laughs> I use that example on, on students to get them to understand that the support, or to faculty also, administration, mm-hmm. to get them to understand that the support services you've designed do not look like support services to Latino students or to African-American students. In fact, just the opposite. They look like threats. <laughs> so a professor who says, why don't you come to my office hours or I can help you? Because you're a threat. You don't, they don't recognize you as a support system. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we try to do in, in our organization is to, first of all, uh, uh, humanize uh, the support services so that by bringing them in, having them interact with the students and so forth, so that they start to look like support services, to get the students to understand that their support services are there and they shouldn't look like a threat. Mm. Um, and so t- those are the kinds of things I try to sort of, how one of the ways in which we work in SACNAS to try, to, I work with SACNAS, to try to get our students the the access to the same services that the kid from the suburbs knows how to use. Mm. Uh, I, I can't possibly tutor every student. I can't possibly do all of these things. But if I can get my students, my, the people I work with. To be comfortable with their resources. That's, that's mm-hmm. right. And to recognize um, that they're not a threat. And then to get the support services to understand that they're seen as a threat, not as support services. I think that's one way we can make some progress. Mm. This is a good point is for me, too, because I need to get more students to come to my office hours. <laughs> yes. they, 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 it, it was a, a, a revelation to me when I, mm. when I learned uh, from a student that they saw me as a threat, mm. not as a because I'm grading them or, or I don't know, uh, threat maybe is too strong a word, but they didn't see me as a. As, as someone that's uh, 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 wanting them to yes, be successful. That's, that's right. right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. 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 That's that's great information because I you know I think sometimes even um, you just mentioned your own example but sometimes I'm thinking well I'm a Latina and yeah. I you know and they they know who I am or I'm uh, friendly right and yet they still might see me as uh, somebody that might not be invested in their that's right. success right, that's right. For, for whatever um, you know other messages they've received from other places right. so great. Um, Tell me, um, is there anything um, that with Sagnas you're involved um, in it as in a national way, or is it more primarily in Chicago, or are you part of the? I, I don't know how uh, it would work. Yeah, so so um, Sagnas is a is a national organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, you have chapters. So we have we have student chapters. There's mm-hmm. a strong one here at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, I. Uh, you know, for for any organization to be successful, it has to be successful at the local level. Mm-hmm. So, or you know, students, it's great for students to know that there's a chapter at UCLA that's very strong, but they're in Chicago. UCLA doesn't do much good for them. So, mm-hmm. so we have to be. You have to be strong um, locally. It is a national organization, however, so that means that, for example, at the national conference, um, at the exhibit hall, every major university even minor university, is at that exhibit hall recruiting Latino students. Right. 
uh, for doctoral work or um, national labs, um, NASA, you know, things like that. So everyone is there looking for for students. Are there employers also? There's some there? employers. Uh, SACNAS is focused mostly on getting students into the um, uh, graduate programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but but even so, like the, uh, there are places like uh, Boeing or place, uh, organizations like NASA that will uh, uh, hire immediately afterwards. But it's mostly focused on trying to get students into graduate programs mm-hmm. or into summer research opportunities, internships, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the national organization then provides that resource, that sort of local, uh, national resource. They have newsletters. They have um, uh, uh, t- uh Job, uh, job. Oh, I forget what they call the job uh, posting network. Mm-hmm. What are those things called? Uh, jobless. Jobless. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, they have um, tips, you mm-hmm. know, and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right. And and what is the organization doing to? Because I know in every, um, almost in every um, area, Native American students are still. <laughs> falling behind on numbers, so. right, yes. and then representation. Is there a speci- something that the organization is doing to specifically reach to the Native American population? Uh, there is. I'm not as familiar with it because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of Native American students to work with, although in Arizona there was, that was not as true. But um, the Native American component is very strong within SACNAS. They work with tribal colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, they work with uh, Haskell, for example, Haskell University, Um so there is a strong uh, – uh, every – for uh, every um, – I don't want to take off a bunch of boxes, but every conference opens with a Native American prayer from mm-hmm. the tribe that whose land we, we are mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a powwow every year. Um, there are sessions on Native science. Um, um, this includes, for example, Native Hawaiian uh, mm-hmm. and the Aleut. Mm-hmm people from from Alaska and so forth. Um, So there is a a strong component. I'm not qualified to talk about it only because I have not had a chance to work with uh, many Native students. Mm -hmm. And although I'm working now with a a Native American physicist on trying to understand the landscape of Native American physicists, which is there are not very many, but we're trying to at least get data. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, great. that's the first step. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to share about your current research or projects? Uh, it could be your personal, you know, what you're doing in, this, in physics, but or, or also with SACNAS or other student organizations. Yeah, so, the, you know, you brought the idea, the question earlier about mentorship, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not have, which was a mistake on my part. I've made many mistakes in mm-hmm. my in my life. But... Uh, the American Physical Society, which is the professional society of physicists, um, I'm, I'm on something called the Committee on Minorities. Uh, it's a standing, one of the few standing committees of that organization. And we have, for the last two or three years, um, started this program called the National Mentoring Community in which faculty and students sign up as pairs, um, as mentor-mentee pairs. Um, and we provide resources for them by, for example, having regular prompts. So you meet once a month. You have to meet with your mentee at least once a month. And we have prompts that we Mm. provide them. There's also a national meeting that takes place. Um, 
And we have this fund, this emergency fund for students that, for example, one one case that we had last year, um, uh, a student's apartment was broken in and their laptop was stolen. Mm. And they needed – they didn't have the money to buy – and the BEAM fund, we call it the BEAM fund, was able to provide money for the student. Uh, often the, the – uh, the th- line between success and not success is a few hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean, how, mm-hmm. you know, so we provide those kinds of um, uh, that kind of help. So I, I found that this mentoring idea is is something that I want to explore more. Um, and being part of this national mentoring community, I have two mentees myself. Um, uh, is been a, an eye opening experience. One of the traits of being a physicist mm-hmm. is your overly arrogant and I think you think you know everything and I, I have learned so much about mentoring strategies and so forth in the last year there's a big group at the University of Wisconsin that does amazing work on mentoring uh, so I'm learning a lot mm. about mentoring so so that's yeah well great <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that <laughs> thank you so much for the work uh, that you do Dr. Pando it's been a pleasure having you in the studio a todos gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros hasta la próxima Thank you.